Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin and today I have a really super cool seafood innovation episode coming at you today. I got to sit down with Daniel Resick, who is the founder and CEO of Ataraya, and they have developed something called the Shrimp Box. And if you went to the seafood show in Boston this past year, you probably saw this. It's literally a shipping container that has an enclosed shrimp farm system inside it. It's super cool. We get kind of into the weeds on how it works. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. But before we get to that, I want to remind everybody to please subscribe to Aquademia wherever you're listening right now. So every time we come out with a new episode, it'll be automatically downloaded right to your device. And also, if you want to contact us, you can email us podcast at globalseafood.org. You can visit our website and fill out the contact form globalseafood.org slash podcast or find us on Twitter. We are at Aquademia pod. Remember to leave us a rating and review. That's really helpful to us. We appreciate everybody that has done that already. And if you're interested in becoming a member of GSA, you can find that information right in our show notes. So enjoy this conversation I had with Daniel and I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. All right, so we're sitting down with Daniel Rusick, who is the founder and CEO of Ataraya Incorporated. How's it going, Dan? Thanks for joining us. Very good. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. So we this is a uh, seafood innovations episode, and if you went to the Boston Seafood Show, uh, I'm sure you saw what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the shrimp box. But before we get into that, I want to learn about you, Dan. I want I want our listeners to know who they're listening to, who are they talking to. So give us a little, like, what's your story? How did you end up in seafood, and how did you end up starting up this company? Thanks. Um, well, uh, my name is Daniel Rusek. I am Mexican. I was born and raised in Mexico City. I was a city boy my whole life <laughs> until uh, I, was, I majored in economics. And while I was studying, I was also the president of the student council of my university in Mexico City. And in 2005, a hurricane, uh, Hurricane Stan, hit uh, the South Pacific coast, um, mostly Chiapas and Oaxaca. And we decided to gather goods for aid uh, response, no um, emergency response for the hurricane. That brought me to the to the Oaxaca coast, and I decided to start an NGO uh, because that shocked. So the conditions that that trip basically changed my life. It just, I was shocked by the conditions of the mm-hmm. of these uh, communities, mostly coastal communities, uh, fishermen communities. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to start an NGO. Uh, that focused on productive projects, on developing productive projects between the university or using university students, uh, recruiting university students, and designing uh, uh, projects that could enable uh, increasing the income of these uh, communities, no? increasing productivity. And we realized very fast that uh, there was basically no future in wild catch. No? So basically, if we helped this co-op to catch more shrimp or to catch more uh, marine fish, it would be basically giving a larger spoon for one customer for a, for a pie that is exactly the same size. Gotcha. Then, uh, so we decided, okay, what, how, what is the, what is the, how, how can we grow the pie? Aquaculture was a, was the, uh, 
the clear answer. And this is how I learned about the historical um, opportunity that that lied in, in, in aquaculture. And I was able to understand why is it that uh, we are basically depleting our natural resources because of basically increasing demand. No? So you have this industry from an, econo from an economist point of view, it's a, it's, an, it's a very, very interesting finding that there is this huge uh, industry that relies the, the, the traditional source of supply is getting dry and there is an alternative to it. No, there is aquaculture. So finding this, this, this huge opportunity was very interesting just from an intellectual point of view and of course from an entrepreneurial point of view. So this is why everybody in the industry says, oh, Peter Drucker said that aquaculture, not the, not, not the internet represented the most uh, relevant economic uh, opportunity in the 21st century, right? So that really caught my mind and this is why I started uh, doing this. Were you at the SENA? Uh, the Boston Seafood Show yourself? Were you yeah. there with the shrimp box? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably one of the coolest, most eye-catching things at that show this year. Talk to me about the shrimp box. How did you come up with this concept for the shrimp box? And what is it? And why is it? And yeah, go. okay. <laughs> yes. The, the Basically, shrimp box um, is a hyper-modular, hyper-connected uh, shrimp farm that is uh, designed using the um, specifications of a shipping container. It's not a shipping container in it, in that it's not a modified shipping container, but it's, okay. but it's certified as a shipping container. So the, and, and, the, and the difference is important because the, the first prototypes were actually modified shipping containers. But then we needed to basically make a container inside a container because we have two tanks, right? So right. It was, this was more complex. So now we, we do it, everything from scratch from the steel sheets and that. And the reason why it's a shipping container, it's a 40, um, 40 feet HQ shipping container, it's because basically that's the biggest thing that you can move around the world using the mm -hmm. intermodular, uh, intermodal uh, uh, international system, right? So then the, your prices go down. And the reason why this is, uh, so, and, and okay, so basically that is, and what Shrimpbox enables is uh, the ability to produce shrimp, for now, huh, only shrimp, um, anywhere in the world. And in order to do this, uh, we basically needed to understand what was behind either failures, past failures of, of trying to get to, to, to grow shrimp in developed countries, um, but also what it's making current uh, success stories to, be, to have very high prices, no? to basically be uncompetitive with the, uh, with, the, with the frozen commodity. So again, this is a very interesting industry in that the, for instance, in the United States, 95% of the shrimp comes from abroad. Uh, and why, and, and, and the rest comes basically from wild catch, right? right. So uh, why is that? So it's because uh, shrimp is only grown comp uh, in uh, cost competitively in places like Mexico. No, where you have the right weather, uh, cheap labor, cheap land, and basically no regulations for uh, uh, for water discharge. So uh, a, typical, a typical shrimp farm uh, discharges water to the ocean that, on a scale that is comparable to a half a million people city. So you cannot, right, yeah. you cannot do that in the United States. So basically, 
you need a bridge, a, technolog a technological uh, 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 jump in order to, to, to be able to do it cost competitively. So Shrimbox tries to address, is our, is our, our, our effort to address uh, these, um, uh, these issues. So if you guys, are to our listeners, if you go to their website, which is linked in the show notes, you can see a video and diagrams and all these things. It's basically is like, it's a shipping container with two tanks inside and there's a, a wall on one end that's kind of like a separator. And then you have kind of your, your pump room, right? Your, it's where all of your electronics are. It's where your pumps and your filters and the waste management and all that stuff is right in there, right? Mm -hmm. So really, instead of like, if you wanted to open up a, an aquaculture farm, instead of ordering all of the parts and having everything come in building on site, you have it built and then it gets shipped to you ready to go. That, that's the concept, right? Yeah. And to manage this waste issue... It's it's a bioflock system, right, to help keep the water clean. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit how the bioflock system works? Because I think this is something that's pretty new. I know they've been doing research here at UNH on shrimp bioflock systems. I don't really know how big it is out in the wider industry. Can you talk about that system a little bit? Yes. So if you cannot uh, discharge water, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's important to clear why uh, farmers need to the water exchange. You know, it's basically there is an ammonia buildup that comes from the protein metabolization uh, uh, in shrimp and fish, and this ammonia gets to a point where it gets toxic. No, so mm -hmm. that's the, the nitrogen yeah. cycle. So, and basically, as the same with a with a with an aquarium in your house, your water will get green because of that ammonia is a fertilizer. We don't care about green water, but we care about our shrimp dying. No, so, uh, but in nature, that doesn't. So there is no the, the same buildup, the same ammonia buildup is 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 happening. But, uh, but nature keeps everything in balance. So BioBlock, it's really uh, learning from nature, getting the uh, one strategy from nature in order to, to, to manage this uh, inorganic uh, nitrogen. The technology was not developed by us in terms that we didn't, we didn't come up with this idea. This idea is a little bit old, uh, comes from uh, people uh, trying to understand what is the, the um, chemical balance in the oceans and coming up with this theoretical microbial communities that later were uh, proved that they exist. No, and in Israel, there are, uh, has been, Bioflock has been applied to tilapia. So basically, it's microbial communities that take these, this nitrogen and use it. Uh, they, they get the nitrogen and they add it to a carbon source. In our case, we use uh, sugar um, to create protein. And then, and they leave. So the, the, the metabolites of this process are ever uh, uh, less toxic forms of nitrogen. So you get, you end up with a sludge. So basically our goal is to keep an ecosystem in balance, keeping track of many variables. And then basically in the, at the end of the, of, of the day, that what we have is a sludge, which is this microbial community, these, these formations that are floating in the water. And that is, uh, and we're using that as fertilizer because it's very high in nitrogen, it's very high in other uh, minerals, no, that are good for the, for for plants. So my so bioflock is a way to have a zero water discharge system. The other uh, the other alternative is RAS, no, recirculating aquaculture systems. Yep. The reason why we decided to go with flock is because we we, technolo we this technology was developed to work in Mexico, no. So and we didn't want to increase too much the cost of equipment needed to. Uh, to grow. So, and, and we have done this for almost 10 years. We have a commercial size shrimp farm in Mexico 
that runs on a 100% Biofloc system. And wow. I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's the only one, but it's probably, there are, there are not that many uh, Biofloc um, um, operations in the world that are using uh, hyper-intensive uh, shrimp production with zero wire discharge. So Shrimpbox is basically the version 2.0 of this technology. Can you walk us through how it works if, if someone, w if a new farmer was to get one of these shrimp boxes on site, how does it work? How do you manage it? What are, what are kind of like the day-to-day -day operations for it? Excellent. Yeah. So, um, shrimp box has many systems, no, aeration system. So we, first we need to think about what, what, uh, what the shrimp needs and then what the bioflock needs. So it needs to keep, uh, uh, aeration. No, it needs to keep movement in the water in order to be, so the, the, the microbial community keeps moving and they don't go to the bottom and start to create uh, anoxic areas. So it's designed in order to have a, a, a homogeneous uh, water movement in the tank and uh, oxygen above uh, five milligrams per liter. So we have two aeration systems, one that runs on blowers, another one that runs on venturies. That's um, per tank? Per tank, yes. Okay. Just, made, just yeah. trying to make sure that I'm following. Well, the, actually, the, the, for instance, the, the pumps, there, there's one pump per tank, but the blower, um, it's, 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 uh, it's shared. So it's basically okay. a, a hydraulic system that we also use that lower for the second system, which is automatic feeding. No. Okay. So we have basically a tank where we put the feed and we can then add the, uh, uh, probiotics or whatever we need to add. We got it there and we have a distribution system. We have also skimmer. Uh, we have a settling tank in order to, to, to decrease the, 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 the amount of bioflock. Um, we have a filter for, uh, uh, for, for, for sediments and that, and we use that filter as well to basically screen what's happening in the pond that keeps us information about what's happening in the pond. Uh, we have sensors for different, uh, uh molecules in, 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 in water quality, uh, ranging oxygen, pH, temperature. But we're also now playing with, um, uh, with carbon dioxide, with different kinds of stuff, no, in order to get, to get more data because the, um, the cost of bioflock is the complexity of the system. And that we realized that while we were hired to be basically consult a company in the Philippines in 2016, they wanted to change 40 hectares of, of intensive shrimp operation to bioflock. We realized that there was no way that we would be able to do that successfully. And if we did, we would basically need it to teach them and they wouldn't need us, no? So right. what we did right. is that put all our biotech protocols into an expert system. So Shrimpbox is really the physical manifestation of this system. What is really, what, what is really b very valuable is the software that, that orchestrates all the workflow. So I think we are probably the first company in the world that has done the following. We mapped all the processes in order to grow shrimp, basically four. Bloods of maturation, larvae culture, nursery grow out. For every macro process, we described what are the protocols. So we have about 80 in total. Oh, wow. 16 of them are in the grow out between the grow out and the nursery, right? So over 60 are in the brutes of maturation of the larvae culture. That's the most complex part. Right, so what exactly. we are enabling is anybody to be able to, to do these 16 things aided by a system that automatically uh, performs most of the, most of the work, right? So, right. and this is pre precisely the interaction between the, the, the devices and the software is what makes uh, Shrimpbox, I think, uh, 
relevant proposal to the world. Well, it's definitely definitely like the most user friendly you can get, right? Exactly. I mean, it's it's taking away a lot of that that complicated work and labor that that you would have on a more traditional fish farm. That's it's pretty cool. It's a great way for like a new farmer to get into it too, right? To like yeah. get started because they can kind of ease their way into it. A lot of that stuff is done for them. Well, how mm-hmm. much shrimp can you actually produce in this? Because it is significantly smaller than some of the ponds mm-hmm. that you see out there. So like, what is what is kind of the ratio? Like, what percentage of those bigger farms can you produce uh, in one of these boxes? So basically, we can get uh, right now one ton uh, per per shrimp box, and we are approaching in order per year, um, and we're approaching in order to get 1.5 tons uh, uh, per year. Uh, this sounds little, but if you compare, so for instance, at the Boston Seafood Show, mm-hmm. basically the Boston Seafood Show is uh, the floor, the, the exhibition center is five hectares. If you have with using traditional uh, uh, ponds, you can get five maybe 10 tons, right? So with, with from five to let's say 15 tops, 15 shrimp boxes, you would cover the same production that is happening uh, in, 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 in such a, in, in traditional systems, right? So it's basically orders of, orders of magnitude. And also you got the intermediation, right? The disintermediation, because that, then we are doing it locally. So all the intermediation value chain from the farmer's gate to the restaurant. So that is, that is, that is a price, that's a part of the cost that we can use for, to cover for, from uh, inefficiencies, uh, from uh, growing shrimp in a place that is not natural. Uh, right. Have you seen any change in like the, um, the rate at which you can harvest is grow out faster or slower in this? Have you noticed anything like that? Or is that data not quite there yet? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's faster. So even it's compared faster. to our ponds in, in, so our ponds in Oaxaca are uh, 540 meters, square meters, which would be something like almost 6,000 square feet. Ponds that are completely lined, no? And it has, they have the same systems. But in Shrimbox, everything is way more controlled. So the, grow, the growth is faster, survival rates are higher, uh, and basically the water quality stays more, basically the same throughout the, the, the whole process. And also, um, and also shrimp box. So that's, that's basically true in any RAS, no, that's also true right, in, yeah. in, in any, in any. Yeah, RAS I was actually, hospital. I was going to say, so at my last job, I used to raise zebrafish at, for biomedical mm-hmm. research uh, at a hospital yeah. in Boston. And it's amazing. We had a brand new fish system that was, mm-hmm. it was two separate rest systems and the amount of control that you have over that is ridiculous and it's all automated on the computer it's like amazing how clean this system with very minimal labor is able to keep that water uh, consistent it's very very cool and comparing that to like a pond that's outside exposed to the elements exposed to predators and all these other things that you got to deal with like i don't know it was pretty amazing working with that ras system so yeah i imagine it's similar to that where you have so much more control in, in an enclosed environment and keeping that water nice and clean is, is, I mean, clean for the shrimp, you know, ideal for them may not look like the, like a pool, but. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that it's also important to clarify. Uh, we have experience with Bioflock, our own farm using Bioflock. We also have experience running uh, traditional farms, which we tried. We got a shrimp farm in, in some part of Mexico at some point, and we wanted to convert that into a, a shrimp bo- uh, a bioblock farm, that was not a good idea. So it's very hard. So growing mm. shrimp traditionally is very, very hard. But yes. also we have, we, we have experience in using uh, RAS 
So because our our broodstock and larvae culture is is is, is run using uh, RAS. So we know what are the differences. One thing I can I can I can tell you about uh, BioFlock, and this is the reason why, because we have the alternative. We can co we could convert shrimp box into RAS. We know that technology. It's mm -hmm. it's been around for a long time. Uh, one of the reasons we we work with BioFlock is because the system is more resilient. So because you have the whole water column, it's the whole pond is your ecosystem. So and as it is, as it is uh, bigger in terms of volume, then it's more resilient. Once we can get to uh, a steady state, which is at the point where the the, the 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 ecosystem is basically metabolizing all the all the nitrogen that is getting into, then yeah. it's very simple to manage, right? Yeah. Then it's just taking care of vibrio, which is really the most complex uh, the most complex part. But the good, but we are, we know, we now know what to do in order to to uh, deal with the vibrios. Yeah, manage it. Mm -hmm. So I'm having trouble visualizing kind of how how you would you can raise every life stage of the shrimp here in the system, or do you need to buy them at a certain life stage at a certain no. size? To put yes, them? exactly. So the way exactly. So okay. So let's let's uh, talk about how what is our vision for how we are going to enable new farmers going into this yeah no okay so so yeah say say i'm a new farmer say I, okay i want to start i want to start shrimp farming shrimp okay. okay here in in portsmouth new hampshire i got a, a little warehouse that i want to put two uh shrimp boxes in Perfect. all right so the Walk first thing that i would the, the first thing i would advise is that you come to our demo training farm in indiana of course uh, and you see it for yourself no to see that is real to see the actual uh shrimp there and there we can teach you so if you spend basically two weeks with us we can teach you the most important uh, things that you, you will need to know. You will get hands-on experience in the, on that farm so that you know what you're getting into. This is, be this is before we sign any contract. No, mm -hmm. we, we sign any, any, any or we, you, you, you make a final decision. So then um, we basically manufacture, we manufacture our shrimp boxes. We manufacture them in Mexico, in Mexico City. Uh, we will manufacture to them, uh, them to you and it will, they will be delivered at your warehouse. We will help you install them. It's, it's very simple. This is something that, we, that was our intention in Boston. In two days, we turned that exhibition floor into a shrimp farm, right? Not three years. It was right. no, there was no complex uh, engineering. Oh, yeah. I mean, it looked like you guys just wheeled it in on a truck and just plugged it in, and it was growing shrimp. <laughs> that's what we, that's exactly. So then we would basically help you set up uh, 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 the, the the water and the systems and all that, and we will bring the larvae for you. We will deliver the larvae, the post larvae for you, uh, with uh, using genetics that we have tried and that we know how they behave using our shrimp box, our technology. We will help you develop the uh, uh, the, the, the bioflock so that it gets to a certain maturation. So during the first uh, during the first uh, your first batch, you will have a lot of help from us, like uh, uh, on site. Right, mm -hmm. because that's that's the that's the most challenging one because you don't have a flock, so we need right. to inoculate it. We need to use probiotics and blah blah blah. Gotta we get also it going, need to further right. train you. We'll provide the feed, the probiotics, everything, all the inputs. You will get it. Uh, you will get it from us. So then it's just you. You will pay for 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 those inputs. You will pay for your electricity, and uh, when when the harvest comes, uh, you will have two choices. Uh, we have a a a, a farmer's price which we can pay you. And then we use our brand Agua Blanca to, to go to market and we can split part of that. So we, we pay you the X farm price and then we share uh, uh, the upside on the go to market. But if you have your own market, then it's fine. Uh, we charge you 
a, a uh, so we already charged for uh, the, the, the inputs and all that, and we get a very little margin on, on those because we want you to be competitive, but our business comes from a success fee on a per kilogram basis, right? So, and everything there, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's calculated so you get an interesting uh, ROI, which depending on your locations, depending on your energy, on the market conditions and your energy should be between 15 to 17% return on investment for you. And this is pre-leveraged. Interesting. So when I, after I had my first harvest, then what, I just would buy another round of larvae? Yes. And can, yeah, you, can, can you stagger it? So like you have one, cause you got two tanks in there, right? Can you have one tank with larvae in it? And then when those ones are like halfway to harvest size, then you can load the other tanks. So you kind of have two going at different stages at, at once. Exactly. The, um, this is why we consider 20, 20 units to be the minimum viable farm so that you never run out of production. Right. You have constant harvest and you have a continuous uh, cash flow. Gotcha. Great. So my two shrimp boxes in my warehouse isn't going to cut it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good it's a, it's a good trial. Uh, we can support <laughs> you doing that. But yes, I think that if, if this is an economic venture, I think the best is to think about 20. Right. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So what are some of the challenges with it? You know, there's always, the, you know, with these innovative technologies, there's always improvements that can be made. What are some of the challenges yeah. that you guys have run into as you were developing it and that you're kind of running into now? that you can look uh, forward to in the future? Yeah, uh, it's very clear. Uh, energy. Mm-hmm. Um, energy usage. So energy to heat. The energy that is needed to heat to heat the water. So shrimp, they like 82 degrees Fahrenheit, 28 Celsius. And, all, and, and that depends on where we are, right? So right. if it is, yeah. this is, and this is why we, we decided to do it in Indiana. It's one of the reasons. So, uh, because if we, we can prove that, it, if we can grow shrimp at a competitive cost in Indiana, then we can do it anywhere you know, because landlocked in the, the winter is harsh. So yeah. it's one of the, uh, it's one of the reasons. And the other one is labor. So these, so we know, so we have an estimation about how many hours, how many human hours per ton of shrimp are needed for traditional farming. We know that. And in our farming Oaxaca, we are cost competitive with it, with the commodity price, so commodity cost. So we know how many hours and then, but, it, but there we pay a fourth of the minimum wage in the United States because conditions, uh, uh, cost of living in Mexico is very, in where we are, it's very cheap. So turning that and using the same hours with, a, with an American, paying American wages uh, would completely take us off the market. So this is where automation comes in. But with our software, we can track how many seconds you are using into performing any given, any specific task. Oh, We're wow. tracking that. So then we have a dashboard which uh, enables us to see what are our next targets for automation, right? So our goal, and we get basically to a par at, at about 82%. If we automate everything at about 82%, then there is no handicap in terms of, of labor, labor cost compared to Oaxaca. But at about 60%, it makes sense. So we are right now between 50, 55%. So we are, okay. we're getting there. No, we're, we're, getting, we're getting close. And right now we are relying not on commodity costs, on commodity prices, but we are charging a premium. So the premium is more than enough to cover for those uh, uh, short-term inefficiencies. Gotcha. Gotcha. How new is this? Is this, how long have shrimp box been available to farmers? So, well, no, we, so our first prototype, so basically uh, shrimp box is a COVID child. Um, oh, okay. 
Yeah, we had another. I have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, Shrimp Books is mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we had we had another big project uh, that was completely erased by COVID, and Shrimp Books as a concept was uh, was around for let's say a year before COVID. But I was I was really scared of that idea. I didn't want to share it. I thought it was stupid. I thought that uh, that if I would say that out loud, people would think that it was what, what I was thinking. And uh, and actually, the way that we started to 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 talk about it, I told my my team I have this idea, and it's not really mine only because this came up from conversation about how can we grow shrimp in the United States. And my answer was, it's not possible. It's stupid to even try. But then I was uh, uh, I was talking to people, uh, particular scientists, that told me, uh, you haven't done your homework. You haven't really thought this through. And I was, wow. So I came to my team and I said, this is a stupid idea. Tell me why. And having these conversations, they, we started to get out of reasons for not to try. And when mm-hmm. COVID hit, we had some money in the bank and we decided, ah, we're not doing much here. Let's, let's try to, to let's build this let's, thing. Go, go grab me a shipping container. Let's see what we can do with this. <laughs> that was exactly the decision. That was May 2020. So by December... We were already having, uh, uh, and this is good because we have, since we have our farm there and we have our hatchery, we do, we, it's a hundred percent integrated business. So yeah, you for have us, the, the larvae available there. You can do all of your trials. The, right thing, there, yeah. the people, the scientists, the, the, the water quality, everything. So for us, it was very easy to, 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 uh, to do it. Play around with it, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And we got with, we got interesting results in the beginning. It was a stress test. So we basically put it, we put the, the highest uh, biomass that this could handle, and we see we saw if it broke. It didn't. I mean, the shrimp were not in good conditions after uh, <laughs> like 10 days because we, uh, there was no flux. No, there was no, no mature right. flux. So after that, in, in early 2021, we started uh, growing it since, since, since post larvae, no? And then the, the beginning, the, the, the post larvae were, were cut in the filters, and then we realized that the that some of our assumptions were wrong. So, and then we 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 built the first two prototypes uh, in China. And then we decided that we'd rather do it in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And now we have eight seven units, and by the end of the year we'll have twenty five. And this is our prototype that we are just increasing, 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 increasing. So are there any farms out there right now that are using this nope. or is it, so it's still nope. completely brand new? It's still completely brand new. Uh, and, and we invite people to come to our uh, shrimp farm in Indiana, as crazy as it sounds, uh, to, to, <laughs> to look for their sell, themselves. Our idea is to start working with pilot technology transfers. We have a, an early adopter program that it will be in Q1 of 2023. Uh, so we have we have some people. There are these seafood distributors that have very interesting niche markets for which live shrimp and fresh shrimp are something that is very interesting. They they have a market that is willing to pay. So and we want to test our protocols and our software. How well does it perform um, with somebody that has never seen a, a live shrimp before? Right. That's that's what we want to know. And we're right. leaving Q1 and Q2 to tailor that technology transfer program so that by Q3, we start really with, with, a, with a more assertive technology transfer and really start building the baseline 
for what it would be a new industry in the United States. I know that there are shrimp farmers in the in the United States. I'm not claiming that we are that we are the first ones to come with this idea. We just think that using this paradigm, the industry has a chance to scale and to yeah. You'll make it available to, to people who who it normally would not be available to, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. People like me up in New Hampshire who have never yes. raised shrimp before, like. It's it's a way that someone like me could actually do that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So if anybody is interested in in being a part of maybe one of those early adopters or like wants to jump on this when it becomes available, what is the best way for them to do that? Get in contact with you directly. Go to the website. What do you? How would you prefer people come to you? Yeah, in, in our website uh, we have a landing page that precisely it's designed for uh, people that are interested in being part of these shrimp revolution. <laughs> so <laughs> we uh, and basically there we will ask some questions about. Uh, they will be able to see, to watch a webinar that is recorded that addresses the most frequent questions that we have got. So that is a it's a webinar where you the, they will be hearing from me, from our um, farming operations uh, director, uh, also from our software uh, uh, tech lead and our biotech one of our biotech uh, team members, uh, so that they 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 know how they they ha start having some information about how can we support them you know and some technical questions uh, quantitative questions and these kinds of stuff and then when they watch that they can fill a form uh and we will basically get in touch with them very cool and i don't know if this is set up yet but for anyone who is thinking that they want to get this going when it's available do you have any idea what kind of what the upfront costs would be or is that not information that we'd want to share on here no yes yeah yeah, yeah. for a minimum viable farm so we are also trying to make this uh, equivalent or similar to uh, investments in other kinds of protein products, protein okay. industries. No, so and basically the 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 barrier of entry for 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 poultry and for hog are about over eight hundred thousand dollars, and we okay. so we are basically at that point. So okay, a minimum gotcha. viable farm basically entails an investment of about eight hundred thousand uh, dollars, and that would give an, an ROI. That would be 15 to 18 percent. In some industries, they call they there. This is a very good deal because in some of these industries, the return invest investment is negative. No, and basically farmers are there because they need the the fertilizer or they need to make use for uh, uh, for. But yeah, so we think that it's an attractive uh, alternative, and they and if they use, for instance, uh, financing, uh, they can increase the return investment significantly. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. Uh, and if you if yeah. you were to invest uh, like 800,000 into this, is that kind of the baseline that you were talking about, like the 20 shrimp boxes or? Yeah. OK, gotcha. Just trying to put it all together. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about some of the challenges with it. And that kind of goes along with this next question, which we're we're coming up on time. Uh, we still have plenty of time. We could talk about different things if there's anything else that you want to bring up. I do want to ask you kind of what else uh, Ataraya is up to. But before we do that, I'm curious. What your vision is, and what what's coming in the future for Shrimpbox? Like, what is? Because I, I know you're not just gonna stop and settle with this. You don't mm -hmm. seem like the kind of person that's gonna settle on something. So, like, what can we expect in the future for it? Yeah. So, Shrimpbox everywhere. <laughs> well, we want to have. Uh, we 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 are aware of how aggressive our proposition is in terms of we think that we have the right path to creating a new industry. That's not something that happens. All the time, no. So in the twenty in the twenty first centuries, how many big new industries are there? Maybe you have solar, you have electric vehicles, you have 
uh, cannabis, and I don't know how many how many others. No, so we are we're saying shrimp farming is there. So in ten years, the the kind of farmer. So a farmer comes in in 2032. They will they will have everything. Every, everything will be solved. No, it's going to be a mature industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the so the the the, um, the profile, the 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 kind of person that we need in 2032, it's different from the one that we need in 2022. We gotcha. need pioneers. We need people that are willing to try new to to, to try something new and to be part of, 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 of a new industry. So we will be, in the beginning, we will be growing slowly uh, because we're building skills. We're building our manufacturing uh, capabilities. So right. not many aquaculture companies need to worry about that, no? We have a, a, a biotech team, we have a software team, that is building, no? So, and also we, we need to build our partnership uh, uh, base. So 2023, 2024, we will be growing slowly but after 2025, we uh, we want to be basically um, close to every or in every major, major metropolitan area in the United States. At Pretty least. lofty. Yeah. You think it'll ever get adapted to work to raise other species? Yes. I try not to think about that because I don't want to get distracted. <laughs> but yeah, <Right. laughs> aquaculture is basically creating, trying to enable the conditions that are in nature, no? So, You're mimicking and, mimicking a natural environment, as and, much and as that environment uh, is host hosts many species, no? Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it would probably just take a couple of tweaks. Probably the biggest thing is how much can you fit in there, right? Like if you keep everything the same and you're going to just raise a different species, like what is the biomass difference? And that's probably mm-hmm. what it comes down to, right? And then like and also multi-trophic, multi. I yeah. think multi-trophic is very interesting. This is we have. Yeah, that would be first, interesting. The first project that we did, and we have a patent for that. It's a multi-tropic system where we had a pelagic fish, tilapia, and then uh, shrimp. And then the, the idea oh, wow. was to basically keep using uh, nutrients from, like, in a use according to their trophic level. No, mm-hmm. so Bioflug would enable to close the loop. Now, because at that point we use flow-through system uh, yeah, because we didn't right. know better. So we decided to not do that because it was basically focusing with three completely different markets, three completely different uh, nutrition. It was it was. Not a little too complicated, yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, how uh, this is just this is not related to like what we were just. It just kind of popped in my head. I'm thinking about the maintenance of it. What's some of the day to day work that an actual person would be in there? Because there's so much automation in here. What would they actually be doing? How often are you emptying out this the waste management? Like you know, take removing the sludge and kind of like all that stuff. Like what's some of the hands on work that needs to be done there day to day? Yeah, in the first weeks, you're basically not doing much about the sludge or sediments because there is not enough. Uh, you just let it grow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, then after a week. Uh, Week five, it starts. There, 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 there is a buildup that needs to be managed. In the beginning, is once a week, then it's twice a week. But we have systems that it's basically turn on this, press this button, press this other button, and then, and then the waste. Uh, this is something that we're also working with. It's what to do with the waste. Yep. So we're working with uh, uh, composting, and also uh, bio bioreactors to produce natural gas. So the idea is that at least part of the energy that the shrimp needs to, to hit the water will come from the bioflop itself. Oh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And so could you potentially collect, I, I guess it wouldn't really be that much, but 20, 
if you had 20 units. I'm trying to think like if you're collecting this sludge, if you were to sell it for fertilizer, would that be any kind of additional income for a farmer or anything like that? It's a matter of scale and we need yeah, to- Yeah, it may not we, be we, enough, we, right? No, maybe, maybe it will. So we, but we don't have the data yet. To see if it is enough or it's not enough to make sense. We think that there might be something there. So this is why we are doing uh, tests. And this is the good thing about having our farm in Oaxaca because we are basically running parallel developments. Uh, so for instance, in Oaxaca, what we have is that we partnered with a biodynamic uh, farm that is starting a renovation from having some soil that is completely eroded and then applying um, fertilizer, uh, organic fertilizer, composting, and uh, through a bio biodynamic program. Um, and the flock is the source, is the main source of nitrogen for that, uh, for that uh, effort. So we are doing a test measuring the organic matter before applying the compost, after applying the compost, and, and, and through, the, through, through the cycle. So it's going to take time. That's mm -hmm. what happens with uh, cells. They take time. But, um, um, but yes, so I don't know. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll be, we'll be watching with bated breath. So we'll go ahead and, and wrap up because I don't want to keep you for too long. But is, you know, like, this is just a really, really super cool technology. And I'm really glad that I was able to see it firsthand and kind of witness how it works. And, and if anyone missed that, I hope you'll, you'll be at more exhibitions in the future because it was really, yeah. really cool. To see. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to get out there while you have this platform? Before we wrap up, yeah, so we're going to be in San Francisco. Uh, we're going to be participating at the TechCrunch Disrupt uh, event in San Francisco. So, and we'll have a shrimp box running on the Pier 45. So, if there's anybody in San Francisco that want to come and check it out, or if anybody wants to come to Indiana and take a look at our our facilities, we have a, an unconditional open door policy. Uh, we think that that is the right way to if you're growing food. Uh, you should. You should let people in and seeing what are you doing. No, we are not. We don't think we don't think that our technology is that easy to to copy. So we don't mind. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems pretty complicated from a technical aspect. <laughs> it, it has to be right to make it easy for the user, the end user. So, yep. so <laughs> we talked about how people can contact you and and the company, and um, I think that's really all I have. If, unless you have anything else to say, I guess we'll just wrap things up. And I just say thank you so much again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, and if somebody wants to keep keep keep, uh, keep posted about what we're doing, so we are now feeding our Twitter and our also our, our LinkedIn. So there's going to be news there, uh, news coming up. So yeah, very thank cool. you very much. And this we'll was make a very sure that we conversation, and I hope your audience uh, has a a little bit more understanding about what we're up to. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll be very excited about learning more and getting excited to to go take a look at it sometime. And we'll make sure that we link to your LinkedIn and your Twitter account as well as your normal website uh, in our show notes. So all of that stuff is available to all of our listeners. You can go find it directly from there. So again, Dan, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sean. Thank you very much. folks, that was my conversation with Daniel Resick from Adaraya. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something and I hope you're as excited as I am at just how cool this technology is. It's super, super neat. And I really loved talking with him and learning all about it. And I'm excited to see where it goes in the future. 
Remember, if you're not subscribed to Aquademia yet, wherever you listen, make sure you hit that subscribe button so every time we come out with a new episode, it'll automatically get downloaded onto your device. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod or fill out the contact form at globalseafood.org slash podcast. Remember to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. That's really helpful to us and it just takes just a couple minutes and we really appreciate everybody that's already done that. And lastly, if you like what we do and you want to support our mission here at GSA, please consider becoming a member. You can find the information to do that as well in our show notes, just like everything else that we talk about. So thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.